right, good morning, everyone. So I don't often do this, but I'm going to do this this morning, get our blood flowing just a little bit here. I'd like some audience participation, if you would, please. Please raise your hand if you currently work at a job where you get a paycheck. Got paychecks? Now keep your hand raised if you would do that job without the paycheck. I love it. That's so good. Okay, so for those of you not paying attention or sitting in the back, basically everybody who raised their hands pretty much put their hands down with the exception of a few notable people who would do that job apparently for free. Uh, that's great. And for a lot of us, I think we would love to aspire to, to love something so much to do it for free. But I think the reality is, for a lot of us, it just, it's, it's not worth our time or our investment or our blood or our sweat or our tears to just show up for a nine-to-five job where they pay you nothing, where you just come in and you do that job. Now, some of you are the exception. And you know the question I maybe have for you who kept your hand raised there, do you look askew? at anyone else around you who lowered their hands? Do you look at them negatively? Do you say, you know what, teacher, firefighter, pilot, doctor, you know, I would respect you so much more if you just did that job for free. I don't think anybody thinks that. I don't think anyone thinks that, that we would respect somebody more if they just did their work for free. Because I think all of us understand that that when you put your investment into something, like a job, you should get paid for it. And I think that makes sense to us all. I don't think we're, we're looking down on anyone when they, when they do a job and get paid for it. I want you to funnel that thought process sort of to the back of your mind, just push it back there, and remember that throughout this lesson, because what I want, what I want to talk about is back in 1 Timothy chapter 5. I've spent a lot of time in 1 Timothy chapter 5 over my last few lessons, and I'm going to kind of finish it out with a verse that I don't feel like we talk about in the Lord's Church very often, and I think I want to talk about it this morning for a little bit. And you might, you might be thinking to yourself, well, as, as you understand what this verse is, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Sean's never talked about this verse either, and I'll, I will agree with that because I asked him last month not to. <laughs> He would have talked about this verse, I guarantee it, but he didn't because I asked him not to. So let's get into it here. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, just two verses. Let the elder who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. That's what we're going to talk about this morning for just a few minutes. We're going to talk about these two verses that I think we skip over a lot in the Lord's Church. I don't think we think about them very often. Maybe we think about parts of them. But what does this verse really mean? What is Paul really telling us as the church to do? And how important is this for us to focus on today? And as you'll understand there, he's talking about elders. And this, again, fits right alongside with Sean's lesson last Sunday. It sort of dovetails perfectly with this conversation because all the stuff that Sean talked about, I don't have to talk about now because I want to focus on these two verses. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on the foundation that he laid from that lesson and just move forward thinking about how the elder who rules well should be considered worthy of double honor. And 
you might be asking yourself, well, Brian, what is this question about honor? What is this word meaning there? What does it mean to honor an elder who, who rules well and especially those who labor in preaching and teaching? We talked about double honor there. So this is honor, honor. It's like a, a heaping helping of honor. It's like not just a little bit of honor. It's honoring, honoring our elders for the work that they do, for the shepherding that they do within our group. And what he's really talking about and I'm going to tip my hand ever so slightly, what he's really talking about is paying elders for their work. That's the simple fact that you need to walk away from this lesson understanding, is that Paul encouraged Timothy in his instruction manual for the early church. He told them to pay their elders for the good work that they do. That's what we're going to talk about today. And if you think this conversation about honor is coming out of left field, well, remember... In chapter 5 here, as we talked about in the last lesson, verse 3, honor widows who are truly widows indeed. And so as you think about honoring widows, you remember back to that lesson as we were talking about widows. And honoring widows is not just throwing your hand around a widow and saying, oh, I love you so much, or, or writing them a nice card, or sort of saying, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Honoring widows at its most foundational, fundamental level, means supporting them, paying for what they need, taking care of them materially and physically. And as in the context, Paul carries right on using the same word, honor, double honor, in fact. He's talking about taking care of the physical needs of our elders. And why would we do that? Why would we give them wages for worthwhile work that's done well? Well, the big idea here in this lesson is really a simple one. As we already mentioned, a shepherd's role in a congregation's health and security is so important. And now you see why I'm leaning on Sean's lesson last week. It's so important that we should provide for them while they do that work for us. That's what I'm talking about here this morning. That's what I'm encouraging us to think about this morning, is to think about how we use our funds congregationally, how we use our money together. And as we talked about in the last lesson, we can and have the authority to support widows from the things that we collect together if that need arises. And as Paul continues on here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we can and should, if the need arises, take care of the physical needs of our shepherds who are doing a worthwhile and very important work for us. We're all on the same page. It's a real simple lesson. But really, I think I haven't heard a lesson about this particular verse in a really long time, and I'm not sure why, but let's continue on and, and talk about for just a little bit the worthwhile work that a shepherd does. Now, a lot of people, when they come to this verse, and you would be excused for, for understanding how the, the world treats the, the com conversation about pastors, shepherds, and preachers, and Sean covered it very well. Sean is not a pastor. Sean is not a shepherd. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a shepherd. But as ministers, as preachers, people who teach the gospel, that's our role. Our shepherd's role is different from that. And we see that throughout the scripture. We see that throughout the New Testament. A shepherd, an elder, is somebody who watches out for the congregation. It's different than the role of a deacon. It's different than the role of a teacher. It's different than all of our roles. It's a very special role, and it's a worthwhile work. Notice here he talks about, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. It's an honorable work. 
It's a work that is worthy of honor. It's, it's, a, it's a work that we uphold. We put on a pedestal because it's, a, it's an important work. Notice if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the qualifications of an elder, the saying is trustworthy in verse 1. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a noble job. An elder does a noble job. An elder does worthwhile work. This is not just, as Sean mentioned in his lesson, this is not just deciding what the color of our carpets are going to be, or what time we're going to meet for services, or whether we're going to have the Lord's Supper first, or whether we're going to have it after a few songs. That's not the role of a shepherd and the importance of the work that they do. Yes, they oversee those things, but when it really comes down to it, the shepherd has an important job that Sean talked about. So go listen to that lesson and you'll find out what their job really is. Think about how important their work is and, and I want to draw out two reasons why I believe this to be very true. Titus chapter 1 verse 5. And Sean did talk about this verse. Titus chapter 1 verse 5, as Paul tells Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That is like the mission statement, that is the purpose statement of Titus. As Paul writes to Titus, this is the reason why I left you there, so that you could take care of what needed to be put in order by putting elders in place. Put elders in place. Give order and structure to a congregation by putting shepherds in place in a congregation. Now, I want you to notice what he does not say. Paul does not say, I left you in Crete so that you could hire full-time preachers in every congregation. That is not what he says. He does not say, I, want, I left you in Crete so that you could find a meeting place, a church building for you all to meet in. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I want you to establish a Bible class curriculum in every place. That's not what he said either. And near and dear to my heart, he did not say, I want you to set up a website in every church. <laughs> he didn't say those things. Now, I am not, and you know this, I am not saying that any of those things are unimportant. You know I don't believe that. You know those things are important. They're, they're needful for a congregation to function. But the most needful thing of most importance and priority was establishing elders in every church. Do you agree with that? Amen. That's what they needed to do. And that was Titus's job. And his whole focus was that. And then as he would go on, Paul would give him sort of the, the qualifications for elders there in Titus chapter 1. Another very important set of passages. But I also believe that this is worthwhile work because of what we see in Acts chapter 14, what would happen if you got basically beaten to death in a city like Paul did in Lystra? Would you want to go back? If they booted you out and beat you down and near to death, would you want to go back to that town? I don't think you would. But you know what Paul does in his, in his journey? After he's beaten in Lystra, he goes and sort of makes this circuitous path, and then he comes back. He comes back to the, to the place where he was beaten so that he could appoint elders 
in every church. It was so important to Paul that elders were in place in these congregations that he went back to the place that beat him down just to do that. An elder's job is worthwhile work, and that's what Sean talked about last week, and I think we all agree with that. I think we all understand that elders do important work, and because an elder does such important work, it's work that needs to be done well. You know, the more important a job is, the more you need to do it well, right? Like, the more, the more stake, the more investment, the more high visibility a job is, the more you just need to be doing that job really, really well. And I think we see that. I think we see that here in 1 Timothy chapter 5 as he talks about the elders who rule well. A lot of times we get sort of wrapped around the axle about the word rule here, and maybe we'll spend a lot of time focusing on what does it mean for an elder to rule? But I want you to, to bypass that thought process for a second and just think about what it means to rule well. What it means to rule well. And I want to use an example because I, I have known my whole life, I've known elders. I've known sort of the behind the scenes, not all the behind the scenes, but I've known a lot of behind the scenes stuff that elders have to go through. And I, would, I was thinking about an example that I could try to give everybody, but you know my dad <laughs> and you know, you know what I know. And I'm not going to talk about this congregation. So thank you, Sean, for bringing up an example that I could reference again. You remember that example in his lesson about how he knew a woman whose husband was falling away from the Lord and how he encouraged her to go to the elders. And she said, well, I don't know those men. I'm not, I'm not sure who they all are. I'm just going to pause it here because I don't know that situation, but I'm just, going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. Those elders were not ruling well in that congregation. Would you agree with that? They were not, they were not ruling well. They were not somebody who, who knew the, the names and the situation of the people who were a part of that church. That's the whole job of an elder. That's the focus of an elder is to make sure that they are watching out, they're overseeing, watching out for dangers that might come against the flock, making sure they know and are uniquely qualified to get into the lives of people. They're doing people work. And that's a job that needs to be done well. It's a job that, that needs to be focused on. And so we start thinking about how Paul would encourage the elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, how we would encourage them to pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock of God, which is the church of Jesus Christ that he died for. You think about what Paul's saying there. Do you have, a, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, do you have a hard time paying attention to yourself? Like, if, if, if your whole job was just to pay attention to yourself, you find that to be a difficult job sometimes? I do. I 100% do. It's hard enough for me to pay attention to myself, but what elders are called to do is not only to pay attention to yourself, but everyone else. That's a difficult job. And what he says there is pay careful attention. And then he expresses the gravity of their job this is the church that Jesus died for. It's important work. It's worthwhile work, and it needs to be done well. I think we'd all agree with that. I hope we would. And if you don't, well, let me just reference our scripture reading this week, Acts chapter 6. And there is a blog article coming out in just a little bit from Don that's going to highlight this very point exactly. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. This just summarizes, I think, the importance of, of focus of doing something well. Now, before I read this, I want to just address the elephant in the room. 
when you go back to Acts 6, a lot of times we will talk about the apostles and these seven men who were chosen to serve. And you would be excused, I believe, for equating these or comparing these relationships to elders and deacons. I think that's a very close parallel. I'm not going to be dogmatic about that. I'm not going to stand up here and say one way or another. But here's what I want to say. A lot of us think that we can multitask, myself included. For a long time, in my 39.9 years on this earth, I have thought, oh, I can multitask. I am lying to myself when I think that I can do all kinds of things well. Because I can't. I can only give 100% to a few things before I just sort of fizzle out and run out of steam. That's what the apostles were dealing with here. So think about, if you think you can multitask, what did the apostles think they could do? Men who were inspired by the Lord God, by the Holy Spirit, what could they do? They were like, no way. I'm not multitasking. Let's read it. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. This is after the the issue arose with the, the widows who were not being taken care of. They were being neglected in the daily distribution of funds. See also my last lesson from 1 Timothy chapter 5. Okay, they summoned the full number of the disciples and they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. What was the elder's responsibility? Oh, I, there I said it. I did it again, didn't I? What was the apostle's responsibility? I think they're real similar in application. What was the apostle's responsibility? Preaching and teaching. They were, they were caring about people. They were taking care of connecting with people on a deep level. They were, they were responsible for going out there, praying with people, getting involved in people's lives, and what they did not need to be doing was serving tables. Not that that was a bad work. Actually, that work was so important that it was, it was starting to divide the congregation. It was starting to cause some real problems with them, and it was so important that that work get done. But the apostles said, no, no, you guys do that work, because we have other things to focus on. They said no, which is, by the way, one of the most important words you can say when you're having trouble focusing on something. You need to be able to say no when you're being asked to do too much. And if we ask our elders to do too much, can they really do that job well? Can they really be focusing on the things that they need to be focusing on? And again, remember, go back to that lesson that Sean preached so well last week. We're not asking them to, to choose the color of the carpet or do all of these like menial tasks. We are asking them to get involved in people's lives. You think about how many people we have in this congregation, how many lives, how many situations, and we have five men distributed amongst this congregation who watch out for you and for your situation in your life. That is a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done well. And I'll just take an aside here and I'll say, I think it is being done well here. But I do just want to say that this is work that needs to be done well. And so as we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5, as we start thinking about how elders who rule well are considered worthy of double honor, especially those who do all of this work and laboring and teaching and preaching. We see how important this job is, and I think up to this point, everyone was like, amen, we totally agree with you on this point in the lesson. And now let me bring up the thing that maybe you don't agree with. 
And I want to just sort of throw this out there for you to chew on and think about. Because what Paul is talking about here in 1 Timothy 5 is paying these men. And I know that. Not only because of the word honor that he's talking about, that referencing back to the widow conversation that we had in our last lesson, but specifically in verse 18, he says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Let's unpack that for just a minute. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That is actually a reference in scripture back to Deuteronomy chapter 25. And what God there is telling the people is not about how you treat ox or oxen. What you do there, when you go back to that verse, and I encourage you to read it, when you, what you find there is God talking about not breaking people. That's what he's really talking about. He's saying, if your brother has, has offended you or you know, they're deserving punishment, take them to a judge, and here's how many lashes you will give to them. No more than 40 lashes. So he's laying out the, the punishment for a wrongdoing of one of your brothers who's done something against you. And he says, don't punish them more than 40 lashes. Otherwise, you might just break them. And then he says, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And the implication there in those verses is that we can break people when we push them too far. Start folding that into the conversation about elders. Why is he bringing up this verse when talking about elders? Because we could push our elders too far if we expect too much of them and not give anything back in return. Think about the picture of muzzling an ox. What is the ox out there doing? The ox was used to tread out the grain. The ox was used to make food. What does the ox need to make food? What does it need in order to tread out the grain, to do all of that work? It needs food. Now you could just say to that ox, well, ox, you should just love making my food so much that you need to do it for free. You ox, oh, oh boy, this is such an important work and you need to do it so well, you should just love it so much that you're gonna do it for me, all out of the, the gratitude and generosity of your heart. What Paul is saying there is no way, Jose. If you want the ox to be able to focus on doing the job well, take the distraction of being hungry away from them and feed them. They don't need to be distracted by all that stuff. By the way, this is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a long verse, and I'm not going to cover the whole thing, but please, please, please go read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because it's beautiful in talking about this very point. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul does cover a few things there that I want to just hit on real quickly in verses 4 through 7. Paul says this. This is in the conversation about Paul being paid for his work that he's doing. Paul says this. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of, of the Lord in Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? In the conversation about shepherds there, tending the flock is kind of an interesting phrase to think about. Isn't that what Paul's saying here in 1 Timothy chapter 5? And oh, by the way, and we're not going to read it, but he goes on there in this verse to talk about the ox 
treading out the grain and not getting fed. He uses this same quote there in that verse. And then he goes on to talk about how, was God talking about the ox? Did he really care about oxen? No, he cares about people. And we have the right to get paid is basically what Paul is saying. Now, it's an interesting conversation because Paul's an apostle. So is he talking about the apostles getting paid? Yeah. But who's Barnabas? Not an apostle. Barnabas is a preacher, so this may be a good way for us to justify and, and really get clear about paying preachers and evangelists for their work 100%. But when we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5, you've got to include elders in, in that conversation. You have to. As much as any of us would stand up and say it is right and good for us to pay Sean, if it were right and good for us to pay our elders and it were needful, we should be willing just as much to do that too. This is, a, this is a lesson with a real simple application, folks. This is not rocket science or complicated in any way. The whole idea here is that if somebody is doing a job for us, especially an important work, a worthwhile work, and we want them to focus on that job, what we don't want them doing is saying, well, you know, I would do such a better job at being an elder someday when I retire. I've heard that from elders in my life. And that's a sad thing to hear, because we as a congregation should not expect to muzzle the ox or demand to muzzle the ox while they're working so hard for us. It's such an important work that if we ever find an elder struggling to focus on the thing we've asked them to do, if they're, if they're spending too much time at work, and this is not a, a conversation about this group necessarily, but I have known an elder who works 60 to 80 hours a week, one of two men who, were, who was an elder over a congregation, a congregation of almost 200 people. How can anyone who is focused on that much of work and that much of their family be also focused on the important job of shepherding? I don't know. And if we're going to have men who are watching over our souls, who are getting involved in our lives, who are doing the kind of work that we have asked them to do, then doesn't it make sense that we offer them our honor, our honor, honor, by providing for them and taking care of them? And by the way, as he goes on here and says, the laborer deserves his wages, you would be forgiven if you could not find this verse in the scripture if you could not find this verse in the Old Testament because it's not there. And just as a side point, I love what Paul does here. This is a quote from Jesus. The laborer deserves his wages. It's a quote from Jesus. And notice how Paul just says, it's scripture. Flat out. I mean, no, no, no equivocation. This is scripture. What Jesus said was scripture. It's as bounding as what we read about all throughout the Old Testament. And he says the laborer deserves his wages. And remember when Jesus said that in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, as he's sending out his disciples in this sort of limited commission, as we call it sometimes, sending out his disciples into the world, and he says, don't bring your, your wallets, don't bring you know, a backpack, don't bring all your stuff. You're going to go out there, you're going to preach, you're going to teach, and they're going to feed you and take care of you because a laborer deserves his wages. A lot of times we use this verse in talking about preaching, and we would be right in doing that. But don't get confused that as Paul uses it here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, a laborer deserves his wages is talking about elders. 
this is a weird lesson. <laughs> I, I struggled to know like, how to wrap this thing up. Because for me, I think what we at least walk away from this lesson understanding is that an elder's job is really, really important. It's worthwhile. We need elders. We need shepherds to watch out for us. And if that job is so important, it's worth them doing it well. But where the rubber really hits the road is the question for all of us, and maybe the question for our elders, maybe the question for the deacons, maybe the question for all of us as members is, do we have a need to pay our elders now? I know a lot of our elders are retired. Some of our elders work. And the question is not so much like, is, do we have to do this? Because as you go back to like 1 Corinthians chapter 9, even there Paul would say, I deserve, I have a right to be paid, but you are not going to pay me because it was right for him not to be paid by the Corinthians to not throw a stumbling block in front of them. We also see examples where Paul would circumcise Timothy but not circumcise Titus because of situations, because one was needful, one was not. What is, what is the prudent thing? What is the right thing for us to do here in this place? I don't know. I'm not standing up here and giving you the answer to those questions, but what I do want you to think about I do want you to think about whether or not you've considered this in the past. We have money here. We have funds here. We collect on a, on a regular basis. Would these funds someday, maybe today, would these funds be well spent, appropriately spent, if we helped our elders to focus on the work that they're doing? Maybe someday in the future, maybe we find ourselves with, with fewer elders. Maybe we find ourselves with, with elders who or potential elder candidates who might be qualified, but you know what? They just spend too much time at work, and they don't feel like they can give as much time as is needed to, to the work here. Well, wouldn't we be willing, in order to support and have a, a, a flourishing eldership, wouldn't we be willing at that point to say, then please don't work, and work for us instead, because this job is worthwhile work. And we are always willing to honor, honor those who work for us. On the same page, thanks for your attention. Appreciate thinking through these things with me. And, and like I said, this is not something we're all going to run away and go you know, this afternoon and go do a whole bunch of stuff. But I just want you to think about it. Because I don't ever want us to get to the point in the, in the church where we raise up a generation of believers who think that this is a foreign concept. I want us to have a, a, a generation of the Lord's people who are thoughtful who say, is the need there, and can I take care of it? And if you brought this up to them and said, let's pay our elders, and they ever said, well, we're not allowed to do that. Study your Bible and learn the truth. That's all we're talking about this morning. And for those of you who are not a member of the church, this may have been a very strange lesson, talking about our leadership and the way that we're structured and the way that we use our money. But I want you to understand that the Lord... Jesus paid his life for this church. And as Paul encouraged the elders there in Acts 20, pay careful attention. And we have men here who pay careful attention to you. And if you are close to giving your life to the Lord, if you, if you think you're almost ready and you need to sit down and receive some counseling, you need to sit down and have your questions answered, well, you can certainly do that with Sean. We have five qualified men here who will also sit down with you and would love to shepherd you and lead you into that decision to become a child of the Lord's. If you already know that you want to become a child of the Lord's today, we'd love to take your confession. We'd love to help start you on that journey. And most importantly, we would love to baptize you today.
that's your need, please come as we stand and sing.